I don't have bone tomahawk notes, it turns out. Bone tomahawk. Bone tomahawk. <laughs> oh my god, bone tomahawk, you guys. Bone yeah. tomahawk. Yeah, it's guys. pretty oh uh, it's pretty bone tomahawk. Welcome to Frame Rate, the show where we rate frames. <laughs> Who's here with me today? Well, I'm always. Abe Epperson, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Michael Swaim, one of Abe's co-hosts. Mm-hmm. And um, with us is our very, very special guest who we're thrilled to have here, Bone Tomahawk. Yes. <laughs> no, please, please introduce the movie. yourself, sir. Uh, Jack O'Brien. Jack O'Brien. Former co-worker from Cracked. Finally. Yeah. yeah. Now you know what those well, Daily Zeitgeist guest hosts were for. Mm-hmm. We are holding Jack here against his will. <laughs> That's right. To talk about movies with yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are we covering today? You, bone Tomahawk. <laughs> oh, yeah, Bone Tomahawk. Oh, right, right. Yeah, 2015's Bone Tomahawk. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's worth a watch. Uh, so here's something. I heard that you hadn't seen this. I if, had not. Oh, so I, I love it when this happens because I wanted to see like your... <laughs> Still expe- haven't. Still no, haven't. Sure. <laughs> uh, your expectations going in and how that was first viewing is always awesome so funnily enough uh our former co-worker at cracked soren buoy mm-hmm. the day after he saw this like rushed into work and was like you have to see bone tomahawk the reason i started this episode the way i did is that was actually my internal monologue the second the movie ended like it's like a shotgun blast to the yeah, face i was does. thinking like I have to tell someone about <laughs> bone tomahawk. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's also a great phrase to say. Yeah, it's <laughs> bone tomahawk. Yeah. Sorry, I probably just peaked there. No, you're I fine. Apologize. Yeah, yeah it, it and it doesn't. It, it just starts right up. Yeah, with, you know <laughs> the bone tomahawkness, <laughs> and it just doesn't let up. The so bone continue. tomahawkness of it all. Uh, uh, what'd you think? I so I uh, have two young children. I don't get to see movies very often mm-hmm. uh, these days. So I picked two movies I hadn't seen, or I picked a movie I hadn't seen uh, that I've been wanting to see. And also, it's a movie that I would never get to see <laughs> with my wife because when right. we usually uh, watch a movie, like when we both free up, we watch uh, something relaxing, like. Quiet place, yeah, uh, sure. which is not relaxing That's at all. Right. That you, you got lured in by the title. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice quiet place. Oh, uh, yes. Turn this what on. is this? A yoga tape? <laughs> oh God! Oh God! <laughs> um, did you had you seen Brawl on Cell Block Ninety Nine? I hadn't. No. Um, so this is by S. Craig Zoller, right? Who mm-hmm. is primarily known thus far for writing and directing those two, and he's got a new one coming out, Dragged Across Concrete. Um, so I'm wondering how much. Did you expect the kind of violence that's in it? Go did you were you ready for that? I think that was something that Soren conveyed when he oh, first okay. talked about it that there were some uh acts of violence that were unlike anything he had seen or something to that effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah more or less. Remarkable. Was in not their way. disappointed. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I knew I knew I had to gird myself cuz I had seen Brawl. But mm. I I don't and I think it comes down to being an excellent filmmaker. Like I, yeah. I yeah. also compared it in my head immediately to Hitchcock because not since like, and totally different bag of tricks, but not since like North by Northwest or other ones I like, couldn't, Rebecca actually really got me. But um, the only goal of the film is for you to constantly be like, oh my God, are they going to die right now? <laughs> right. Oh my God. Yeah. And I, it's, I, it's hard to remember the last time I was so on the edge of my seat the whole time, no matter what was happening. Yeah. It's just pure like goal and obstacle. Right. <laughs> and you're just like, well, are they going to? And they it kind of goes through a bunch of different genres on the way to that obstacle yeah. or on the way to the goal, I feel like. How so? Well, it's like Western and then thriller and splatter movie and horror movie. Oh, I see. And yeah. yeah it just, it, it's akin to those, but it, yeah. it feels different because I think what you're speaking about, Michael, which is its bag of tricks are unique and new and fresh enough and not anything like, right. like a normal horror movie. Right. Uh, look no further than like this... I think the movie's scoreless entirely, but I didn't know. No, yeah, I, didn't I think there's oh, like no, no. it's very minimal score, yeah, you're right. if you're anything, right. and it, especially in the tense moments. Usually in like a like a fucking bird box or like you know one of the new like fresher a quiet place if right. you will yeah. uh, a fresher because um, it's taken that kind of genre uh, by storm is this idea that there's like score beats where it's like. 
you cut out the the music and then you wait and then you can count the seconds they have like actually taken a stopwatch to it and every film does it it's like this second this second or this second that the thing jumps out or something horrifying happens and they use score to exemplify that not that that isn't done in bone tomahawk but because it doesn't have a score it has to rely on things like the cracking of twigs or right. the the stopwatch counting down right. you know where it's a very visceral feeling but you feel tense and you don't know why and it's not being done by score it's being done by things being too quiet or too loud right. and i thought that that's a unique kind of bag of tricks for or a horror movie or actual formal surprises rather than yeah. it's surprising because that thing really looks scary and it sure did mm. fill frame quickly with an accompanying loud noise right in this it's like Someone just got so brutally murdered. I'm sure I have a second to someone else got murdered. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, they do that. Or the notable time to me is when uh, Matthew Fox gets his entire sacrifice myself nobly for the group moment and it's resolved. And you're like, there's a nice act break. And then they immediately get attacked in a shot that is not tense looking intentionally mm. standard postcard shot and they're walking around a rock and he goes like okay he literally says something like roughly now that's resolved here's what we're gonna do next <laughs> right. and he, and he gets right. hit already right. like it just doesn't stop yeah. yeah and as the viewer you're like ah yes yeah, sweet tension really oh my god <laughs> yeah and uh yeah there's a lot of great tricks like that in case you haven't seen it, I just want to note that, like, top level, it is a Western. Yes. The world is a Western. The world, the world is, is a Western. Western. Uh, and I actually thought it was notable how much the plot is. If you if you just said the it's basic arc of the plot, yeah. it's yeah. the Searchers. Searchers, I was yeah. going to say, yeah. It's yeah. the most classic Western ever. Right. Is. And we have to unpack this at some point. Engines took our women. Right. So we got to go get them yeah. back. Right. Um. And yeah, I was telling Jack before we started rolling, I this is such a fuzzy thing and everyone has to navigate it for themselves. I care about representation. I care about things like that. But I just really like this movie. Yeah. I don't know if that makes me bad. But uh, if you're very sensitive to like uh, depictions of Native Americans, I think there's no question that S. Craig Zoller was like, Ah, fuck it. They can take one more hit. Like, like, <laughs> I'll just depict Native Americans as savages. They know I don't mean it. You right. know what I mean? Like, yeah, that feel? this director likes to play in that real gray area. Like, because Brawl, really does. Uh, Brawl's like uh, poster is just the back of Vince Vaughn's head with a crucifix tattoo. Oh, wow. So you s- immediately go like, is this a, oh, skinhead, a skinhead movie? movie. Like, That's what, is what this? everyone said. And then you go in and you watch it, and it's like, he could totally be a skinhead. Like, you don't know. It just doesn't talk about it. Just doesn't it. address it. Right. And in the same way I think they do with the troglodytes with this one, like the cannibals. Like, yes, they're Native Americans, but they're also monsters in this movie. Right. So it's not doing anything beneficial for not pushing, you know, this the stereotype forward. It's, right. I, I think that, that we can separate that and say good movie and also... Let's you, let's weed those tropes out, right. please. But I'm telling uh, you, I know specific people who would watch it and feel hurt by it. So I'm saying, exactly. like, I would encourage you to know that going in, that basically they say, well, these Native Americans took the women, and they hired one Native American actor to come in and go, don't call them that. They're no Native Americans. They're like inbred, right. monsterish. It's basically the people from The Hills Have Eyes. I was going to say, or, yeah, The Hills Have Eyes. What's that H.P. Lovecraft story? Does that, this all originated from a Lovecraft story that Hills Have Eyes is based on, but uh, uh, the, the trope of family that's so inbred and right. has lived in a cave so long that now they're all like golems right. <laughs> yeah. or yeah. goblins. And so he says... Don't call them that. Call them troglodytes, right. let's say. And in fact, you're racist for thinking they're Native yeah. Americans. Because to one so, such as you, you would see yeah, a difference. It's a, an effective defense, I mm. guess. Woke um, tomahawk. Right. But it, it, <laughs> Woke tomahawk. <laughs> it is very interesting. I think Abe's absolutely right. I am waiting to find out whether S. Craig Zoller has something profound to say about race. Mm. Thinks flirting with le- race is just a nice way to like build buzz 
or is racist. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm still waiting because, uh, like, you outlined very well, I think, Brawl. It's like everything about him is a skinhead except that he never says anything racist. At least during the duration of this film, right. you know they, what you see him do right. is unrelated to issues of race. And then the movie he has coming out next is Mel I, Gibson in a car. Is Mel no. stars Mel Gibson? <laughs> really? Yes. And I now want to talk about S. Craig Zoller's casting because I actually think he's a master of casting. Yes. I think so. Or his casting director is. I don't know the scoop on that. I think right. so. And. So therefore, he knows what the fuck he's doing. Casting Mel Gibson after he's had two movies that weren't huge hits, but critics are like, this guy's career is building, this guy's career is building, and he's like, I'm going to put Mel Gibson in the next one. I think that's a choice about, yet again, flirting with racism. Like, you mean aware of the cultural moment of Mel Gibson? (laughs) Because I would argue that all of his casting is meta-aware. Yeah. Like, David Arquette... Is cast for at first you're like you think no reason, right? As the bumblefuck in the beginning of this movie who uh, trips over their burial ground, which is the whole reason they come and kidnap people, the troglodytes. Right. I started calling them trogs, but <laughs> the trogs, yeah. And I think he's aware that, like you know, David Arquette, he's a bumblefuck, he's right. a jackass. Of right. course, it's him. It's Dewey, mm-hmm. Agent Dewey. It's Dewey. Right. Yeah. And then I think very intentionally, the dude who's with him is best known as the creepy murder molester uncle from The Devil's Rejects, uh-huh. which made me immediately notice the parallels between these films. I think Devil's Rejects is eighty percent a horror movie, and their twist was twenty percent of it is western, mm-hmm. and this is the reverse right yeah and this movie is well better made than the devil's rejects but nevertheless i still think there's parallels there jack what do you think this movie means or does it mean anything is it just a jaunty walk down horror lane or is jaunty it, would be the first word yeah, that comes right. to mind <laughs> or is it like trying to say something about like the unknown or something grander from a philosophical yeah i mean level? i think it has interesting things to say about uh you know culture manifest destiny like the Mm. the um progress i guess because you're you have a tribe that the the villains are literal stone age people like they're they're using bone tomahawks they're using like the weapons that humanity first started using like they shove bones into their larynx to make make, weird weird haunting sound yeah but it's almost like you know the Pro, the manifest destiny uh, progress versus mm. the you know the pre dark ages I guess the stone ages um, is I guess one way to look at it horror of the hi- history historical horror right. versus like more modern horror right and then that's it's an interesting in a take. soup of just historical horror in the sense of you know what medicine was like back right. then yeah, what yeah, it yeah, was yeah. like to have a broken leg back then you, right. you know you're and fucked then, uh, God. You know, Matthew Our, Fox's hand. Oh he just God, gets, the look he has when he finally gets back to the shrub. He's moment. just like, I'm fucked. I'm so fucked. <laughs> yeah. So this is what I mean about the casting or the combination of the casting, and he maybe he's very good at working with actors, but I've never respected Matthew Fox as a performer so much. Right. I've never respected Patrick Wilson as a performer so much. And I've never felt like Kurt Russell is home so much in life. Right. It's the perfect role for him. Mm-hmm. Richard Jenkins elevates the entire movie every time he opens his fucking mouth. (laughs) It's so good. Right. Um, Well, bouncing off of Jack's point about the themes, I just think it's interesting that shocking violence is also really notable in my other favorite Western, which is Lonesome Dove, where if you read the book version, you're like, oh, this is a Western written in like 1959, Mm -hmm. and it'll probably poke along, and it kind of does poke along, but then there are sudden moments where the author just straight up describes things that undeniably actually happened in history. Like there's records of them happening, but they're so the violence is so particular and shocking that like Bone Tomahawk, it's the kind of thing that you're like, I knew that happened in theory. I just never thought someone would put it in a movie. Right. And you were talking about the pre-Dark Ages. Spoiler alert, meaning this might spoil the rest of your life to hear. The climactic (laughs) death in this movie is many things. 
because he gets tortured in sequence, but he a guy dies by being held up by the legs and sawed down the middle, right? Which yeah. keeps you alive for a significant length of time, right? And was really done. And the reason I know that is like the only time I'm aware of that torture is from like uh, woodblock prints and etchings of executions in the Middle Ages, right? So it's weird that it's just crazy how. I don't know, I, and I'm trying to unpack whether it's just craft and what aspect of the craft. Like, I like Lars von Trier movies as well, and I just watched House the Jack Built about an unrepentant serial killer killing people in increasingly horrific ways. And there was something about the detachment of it where I was like, ah, oh, yes, violence in the abstract. Right. What a film. In Bone Tomahawk, there's nothing being done that's objectively worse in concept. But there's something about the execution where I was like, I can't handle this. Yeah. And uh, I really want you to speak to it, Abe, as a director. What's so good about the way the violence is handled in Bone Tomahawk that I can see like an evisceration in Mandy or something and be like, it's a building block of this action movie. Whereas in Bone Tomahawk, I'm like, oh my God. I, I'm actually going to have, like, I think this is atypical because I rewatched it and I thought one thing and I knew I was going to be at, like, have to answer or at least want to talk about this. Surprisingly, choreography. I think it's the, um, it's the idea that, because it's in all of his films, like if you watch Brawl, there's like a curbing. That happens. It's more of a drag your it's face a, until exactly. it disintegrates. So it's <laughs> the specific nuance of how it's being done. Like when he's cutting through a whole body and making, like cutting him through the hemisphere, yeah. uh, it you see the knife feels dull. You see the sinew. You feel the sinew. So it's yeah because it's uh, it takes it's multiple wax. You also yeah. see yeah. the it's contents. It's not even wax. It's like grit. Yeah. You also see the contents of his stomach. Out yeah, so ground. it's yeah. it's great creature going back to creature feature uh, practical effects. You can tell it's sound design. You guys could tell it was CG though, right? Like just a hair, a little bit, of a CG. little bit. You can tell. Uh, yeah, but mean. I think more than anything, it's unlike Tarantino violence, which is quick and sudden. This is drags out and it is a type. Usually, he likes to focus on types of deaths that, that either not take a long time. But on cameras, like you can look away and look back, That's still and happening. it's still happening. Right. And yet, I don't feel that Zoller movies, for some reason, it just all works for me. It's kind of magic because I don't feel that it's exploitative. Like when I watch Hostel and go, "This is stupid," and I don't feel that it like lessens the film or makes it less important or like cheap. It feels. It feels supported. The violence feels like it needs to be in there. Right. Uh, yeah, in uh, Lonesome Dove, it suddenly cuts to the point of view of the 10-year-old boy character. And you're like, oh, we're going to be in his point of view now. And then he gets his testicles cut off and choked with his, choked to death on his own testicles. And like, you're in his head as he's understanding what's happening to him, oh missing God. his parents and shit. Yeah, so it reminded me of that a lot. Yeah. It is... It's a... It's just crazy to me that film tries to go... Film has been around long enough now that people have tried to push it so hard in so many dark directions, and yet there's still nothing as horrifying as things that have actually happened in human history. What are right. the most visually accosting, in this way, movies you guys have ever seen? Uh, in a way where it felt earned, like where I didn't think it was stupid, because that you had a visceral experience too, uh, you know, like a film. Well, or Antichrist. <laughs> well, anti yeah. I don't know Antichrist. Yeah, it's usually um, for me, it's about the po the power struggle. It's there's something that is added to the scene where he's essentially quartered, that you cut back bisected. every bisected. bisected, where you're cut. You cut back every now and then. It's even he foregrounds it when we look at the like the camera for is foregrounded by Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell behind. being in jail. Yeah, so he's constantly in frame. You're constantly kind of from his perspective, even though it's not like POV. And it cuts back to his face as he's like retreating into the darkness. Like I can't help but watch. No yeah. one's forcing him to watch other than it's in his proximity. But he could close his eyes. He could duck. You know, there's also two things that just occur to me, one of which I think is kind of deep. <laughs> the first one is uh, at the beginning of the movie, the, f the opening image is I'm sorry, I don't know the actor's name guy from Devil's Rejects 
uh, telling David Arquette, no, it's not like... Essentially, the subtext is, it's not like a movie. You have to slit someone's throat this particular way and work really hard or they won't fully die. And I do think that's a great way of broadcasting to the audience. The movie is going to be gruesome, but only in the name of... Other movies have pulled have sanitized violence. We're going to show right. how difficult it would actually be. Right. Compare the violence of Kill Bill to this. It's right. like Kill Bill is that sh- the sharpest sword in existence. This right. is like a bludgeon that just you keep punching the face. Right. Well, also, the skull. of course, I couldn't stop. I couldn't help from comparing this to Hateful Eight, and how little I cared when violence happened in Hateful Eight, mm. I, relatively. And I do think. I just realized one of the big components is the depiction of human empathy during the violence. Because in Hostel and movies where it feels exploitative, I think think it's exploitative and doesn't isn't as viscerally felt because there's no one in the room empathizing or experiencing sorrow. They're just experiencing pain and screaming, like horror. But all the movies now that you ask the question, when I line up in my head the ones that really get me, it's actually because you're empathizing with the f- not even the physical pain mm. the feeling of mental anguish someone in the so like the scene you're talking about when he's in the jail what one of my favorite what, what really gets me about that scene is he's yelling to the guy as the guy dies right i want you to know we already contacted the cavalry they're right. half a day out they're going to slaughter every last one of these yeah. motherfuckers and it's doubly tragic because his dumb deputy is too dumb to know what he's doing. <laughs> right. And like you see the hope in Richard Jenkins' eye, and he's like, So the cavalry's coming? <laughs> right. And he goes, No. Well, why'd you lie? He goes, Because if I was dying that way, that's, that's what, what I what want I would, right. to hear. Yeah. So the fact that there was love in the room while well, the worst thing ever is happening, the fact in Antichrist that. Willem Dafoe loves the woman who's mutilating his genitals. Mm. <laughs> like the actual fact that I think we care. Whereas I do think other movies, it's not good enough to just be the effect. Because Hostel is like, here are some meat mannequins who right, we will dismantle exactly. over the course of the film. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but that is really just having multiple people there watching it. It's almost like uh, Dead Man Walking has like yeah. a, mm-hmm. the, yeah, exactly. de- even though that's a fairly. You know, in a straightforward way, it's not like a bloody death, but, but it's, it's like we're all witness. We're know? all witnessing somebody yeah. like die the way that in a state-sanctioned way that people yeah. die all the time. Yeah, and I, I think Ichi the Killer is. Have you seen Ichi the Killer? I don't think so. No. Uh, good. Uh, we'll talk about it eventually on the show. But renowned film for being like hard to take and hard to watch. And I actually think on the same theme, it's because. Ichi the killer kills people against his will and is weeping and apologizing the whole time while he kills you. Mm-hmm. And it's not the violence. It's that how horrible would that be? Right. To be like a serial killer robot that can't control yourself, that would be horrible. Right. Yeah, I think there's an even additional thing uh, on this emp- empathy train that we're running. Uh, yeah. It's interesting to me because we're not just... It's not just Kurt Russell. It's also um, Samantha, Lily Simmons, mm-hmm. the, the, the wife... Yeah. Um, she has been witness of this grotesque violence for so long that when we first, when we meet her after she's been kidnapped, kidnapped for the first time and she's in jail, she's totally disassociated from the, the violence itself, from all the acts, but also in the idea of hope. Like, she's like, right. why did you come here? Right. You idiots. Well, it's, you know? it and is it's, implied she's been assaulted the whole time. Exactly. So it's not like that's she's what gotten no, off no, no. free or But that's whatever. what I'm saying is that I think that how the darkness changes you is we're 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 showing like the journey like it's not just the death and it's not just the torturous you know uh violence of it but we're seeing in two different cells someone beginning their journey of like i i am resigned to not care anymore Mm. and and as you said like trying to bring love into the room and someone who is almost not even caring anymore about that uh, right, Kurt Russell's trying to keep everyone's spirits right. up while the worst thing you ever saw is right. happening. Right. When ever, when and the person, she's going, she's like, "There's Don't no even way out." Bother yeah. keeping our spirits up, which yeah. especially resonates when my uh, Matthew Fox's Broder, Mr. Broder, 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 yeah, Broder, Mr. Broder. Uh, oh, he'll says, brood on you. He uh, at one point says to them, "He's like, I'm gonna." Re- 
save us all. I'm in charge. And they're like, what makes you in charge? Because, and then he does this, you know, of course it's archaic, but to the idea that well, you get Well, I have married. it written down, so let me quote it yeah, since go you bring it up it. if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, it's... You oughtn't to speak to the law like that, especially not the sheriff. Well, I'm the smartest man here, and I intend to keep us alive. Oh, you're the smartest man here. Oh, is that a fact? It is, yes. The <laughs> sheriff and Mr. O'Dwyer are married, and you yourself are a widower, sir. What does that have to do with it? Smart men do not get married. <laughs> right. Well, just, uh, that's because no woman would ever want you. <laughs> I, I mean, Richard, Richard Jenkins <laughs> steals that scene because right. he's just doing... He does this little gasp of air... <clears throat> Like, right. And you can see him realize, like, oh, it's a joke. Oh, we've bonded. Oh, we're friends now. Like, his <laughs> mental a, process is so yeah. slow. It's great. But uh, anyway, just the idea that, uh, like, intel. I, I guess because uh, Bruder doesn't survive, I guess what I was getting to in terms of the themic questions mm-hmm. is I think this might be about, like, no matter what you do, you're unprepared for the unknown. And that's kind of like the shared thing that we all have is that you can be the best like gunslinger in the West where that was the only thing that mattered and your hand can get cut off or you can be a buffoon like Richard Jenkins and least likely to survive, but he survives the whole journey by chance. It's just the idea of like the unknown is a big question mark and you walk into it with, you know, some form of what you think is precognition of how it's going to go down and you're going to be, it's going to, you're going to be made a fool. You know, yeah. announcing your plans is a good way to make God laugh. In another way of saying right. it, that does make a lot of sense to me, especially because Bruder. Well, I got to say, my favorite technique with Bruder was: Did you guys think of Pavlov when he shot the two Mexican dudes? Oh, like no, the whole. I, didn't. I think I think that well, was the implication the is that he's literally trained himself to the point where he can't not. He made a mistake because he can't not. Yeah, Bruder has this system where. He sets up a string with bells on it around camp, and if he hears a bell, he sits up and shoots whatever it is. Right. And you see that he's not bluffing. He's arrogant, but he's never bluffing. He says, you guys can shoot or not shoot. I'll beat you to the draw. Right. And he's right. Like He can wake out of a sound sleep, sit directly up like a diving board, right. and just shoot whatever he heard. And he like shoots a coyote a couple times, scares him off. And then one time he's fully awake in the middle of negotiating with two people. And as they calmly walk forward and the deal is don't shoot us, we're going to parlay, they step over the rope and the bell jingles and he immediately shoots them both in the heart. Then a second later he goes, well, I calculated that they must be a raiding party, which turns out to later be true, scouts for raiding party. But nevertheless... I really like, and I choose to interpret it that... That he's Pavlovian. That he's Pavlovian, and he had to justify it after the fact. Because I think Bruder's Mm. whole character, and that's why his name is Bruder, Mm. brooding is to ruminate on the past and your tragedies and try to like fix it after the fact. His whole thing was he saw his family slaughtered by Native Americans, and he spent his whole life thinking he could maybe fix that in some way if he kills enough Native Americans. And we see that obviously that's not true. He ends his life with no more closure on that issue than he ever had. What I love is Bruder just says, uh, I've written down here, hold on. Uh, I need... Uh, this is cinch, he's dying. Yeah, cinch that tighter, would you? I would like a cigar. I'll need the repeater. Then supply me with dynamite and do not return until I've used it. I'm far too vain to live as a cripple. Right. Which also, every single thing he says finds a way to be offensive. <laughs> He's like, right. I've killed 118 Indians. Right. Well, that's an ugly boast. It is not a boast, but a fact. <laughs> All right, dude. All right. Weird flex. All right, proud boy. But, uh, yeah. but anyway, if you know like film logic, he should blow up. A their cave of- and shoot like four guys. Instead, this a second later, someone comes in with a bone tomahawk. Right. He shoots that one guy, and that guy kills him. That's it. You're out. Like right. fuck you, Matthew Fox. Mm-hmm. This is not your heroic yeah. stand. Yeah. I love that. I love undercutting stuff like that. Yeah. It's uh. Yeah. I like that too. Yeah. Uh. Can we talk about Richard Jenkins for a minute? <laughs> sure. Yeah. I like Just that we haven't even talked about the. Quote like the main characters of this movie, which are the Kurt Russell, the sheriff, and Patrick Wilson. Oh, we should talk about Patrick yeah, Wilson, the main character. Arthur, yeah, right. who's who's really because I think that that adds a necessary notch to the film, which is that he 
its rear window, which is what I latched onto when you said it's Hitchcockian, because it's once again, like Hitchcock always talked about, like how what's the what's the best places to do murder scenes or death scenes? Well, when you're powerless. So like he thought of Jimmy Stewart with a broken leg in rear window. Right. He thought of Psycho in the shower. You right. know, like it, if my guess is if he was if Hitchcock or a mind like Hitchcock was making movies in today's uh, filmic lexicon, it would probably be like the toilet, a lot of toilet deaths. Or he might have made Hush. <laughs> Did you see Hush? Hush, I have not Good seen Good underrated Hush. indie horror movie, the only premise of which is the victim is deaf. Way better than A Quiet Place or Bird Box, in my right, opinion. Hush, right. yeah. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, and I think that there's something about, like, that's why I actually underrated Love. Uh, I think one of the best films that M. Night Shyamalan did is The Village. Because uh, I actually like the village too. Jack frowned. What do you think? Jack? Oh no, I've only seen parts of the village, and I, I think I knew what the twist was. Right. Time. Yeah. The movie as a whole and the twist, like I think he was. I think America did a lot of things to M. Night, and <laughs> he's not the greatest director, but he's not the worst. And one really good choice that they did is uh, uh, made your main character. Uh, blind in a horror mm-hmm. movie, yeah. which is just really a costing and effective when you have a horrifying monster that the audience can look at, but it's this weird form of dramatic irony that raises the tension. And I think with Patrick Wilson, even though he's like kind of a, just a burden for the first, I mean, two acts, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, it makes that act three sing because he's just limping <laughs> to try to save. Well, people. also f- I would say, because he's the man of faith arc. Yeah. And it's interesting that he's the main character, but we don't feel com- as compelled to talk about him. And it's not, I, I, again, as I said, I think this is one of Patrick Wilson's better performances ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's. Didn't str- like the Ocean Master? It's. <laughs> the Ocean but it's straightforward. Uh, he was in Aquaman. Aquaman. Oh, he was oh. the villain. In like, because for the first two acts, he just is, I want to save my wife. <laughs> and then. Right. For the third act, he's, I'm going to fucking save my wife. Like, that's really it. Um, right. But then constantly, like, getting too high to, <laughs> to go save her. Right, well, he's right. in his main <laughs> obstacle. Like, is passing out. He's in so much pain that he has to take so much morphine that he's right. passing Opium. out. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do love, my favorite moment of his is uh, something that I know a lot of people of faith have had this moment where it's like, you know it doesn't work this way, but you f- still feel compelled to say this. When he yells at the heavens, are you seeing this? Right. This is what I prayed every day of my life for, for you to help me now. I just right. think that's a kick-ass action line to yell at God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, those ones work on me, too. The Deadwood with Doc Cochran, where he's oh like, Oh, my God. Did the scream in Deadwood, have you seen that? Yeah. Like, did their screams not sate you? You know, Like, when their about screams all the boys reached you in the in sky, the, did it please you? Yeah, Was that talking about all it? the soldiers dying in the Civil War. There's something cathartic about some uh, someone who is of faith having a moment of crisis about faith it's true jen laughed at the doc cocker monologue and i was like we have to break up now (laughs) this is like like, i'm weeping (laughs) yeah yeah and we haven't also mentioned uh something i will always give s craig zoller extra love for people need to use fred malamed more He's oh, yeah. he's delightful yeah, and he everything. You probably, if you're in our audience, know him best from Serious Man as the dude that the main dude's wife is boning. But <laughs> he's in this. He's in, I don't remember if he's in Brawl, but he's also going to be in Dragged Across Concrete. So they obviously have some kind of romance going. <laughs> Fred Malamed, amazing cameo as the bartender. And then we should probably talk Russell Crowe, right? Because he's Russell Crowe, the most Kurt fam- Russell, Kurt Russell, I mean, because yeah. he's the most famous dude in the movie and very yeah. straightforward. What do you think sheriff. of that choice? I mean, like, good casting. He looks yeah. like the thing. Yeah. Do you yeah. think he added anything to it more than any of his old of his types? Uh, like, what do you remember? What scenes are most memorable to you about this movie I mean, with his performance? Talking about just violence uh acts of violence that linger in the shot his going maybe five ten minutes with a steaming hot uh piece of metal just jammed into his side was yeah pretty. oh they heat up his flask in the and fire then, right and cut him open and put it inside yeah, yeah. an opium tincture which yeah. he tried to kill which he does they did. he, he they, kills one and 
met Knox and What's cool another. is uh, Miss O'Dwyer is the town doctor also. It's, right. it's, it's cool action-y bit. Yeah, they pretend that they are like, oh, booze, we're in jail, but at least we can party. You know right, what I mean? Right. And it tricks their captors into going, fuck you, give me that. Yeah. We'll drink the booze. And she can see how much they drank, and she's like, one will die in his sleep. One will wake up and have severe brain damage. One will wake up in about half an hour. Yeah, because right. she knows it's how cool much moment, to apply. Yeah, yeah. God, but it's true uh-huh. with just watching him, Kurt Russell, he's like grunting in ways that I didn't think possible. Right. Like I'm like, oh man, one day I'll, I'll, if I'm an old man, I'll right. grunt like yeah. that. Yeah. He's like, He's making like multiple kind of like Tibetan monks that can like hit two tones at once right. with their like their right. glottal stops and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's just like a I mean, wounded he's dying. dog. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, it really is. Impressive. And even though it's not when he dies, uh, like if you Google image search this movie, the frame that comes up overwhelmingly is him getting the bone shoved in his throat, which I also was like really got me viscerally. Yeah. Even though that's not how he dies, but you, you like kind of from if you saw the trailer, you, don't like, you know. expect that to be how he's gonna die in the you moment. You don't know if he dies. What do you mean? At the end. Oh you You don't know you think sh- he's alive? I don't, but I think it's ambiguous intentionally. Yeah. Because you hear three gunshots, which is how much he had how, left. And how many but people also how many left. people they counted to left. So a lot of things go into that. That's the whole unknown right. bit. Maybe there's more of them. Maybe the gunshots, you know, like missed. Maybe like True, but so he could be have one and just be sitting there slowly dying. Either way, he's going to die because he's, he's mortally gonna wounded. Die but. also because they said, Are you gonna make it? And he said no. And I mean I know he's not a doctor but i feel like in movie magic world that means he knows they he's have gonna to die right right <laughs> yeah. yeah but also western logic yeah. the thing i noticed this time that i didn't the first time is that is why richard jenkins chicory great name for a dumb deputy yeah, very good that's name. why chicory drops the rock so as they're leaving they know there's and I just think, I think we do know what happened because otherwise I'm like, why'd they set it up so perfectly? Right. He has three bullets. There's three troglodytes left, but he literally says, but they all have to die. If they don't, they know where Bright Hope is and they'll come massacre everyone horribly. Right. As they're walking home, Chicory picks up a rock because it's like the only weapon left to them at this point. Right. Here's three gunshots, smiles, puts the rock down. Final mm. shot of the movie. So, but you're right. It implies either he died, but he killed... Everyone in the town is safe, at least. Or even if it doesn't imply that, you're right that life can have uncertainty. It's an act of faith that Chicory chooses to believe. Sheriff always takes care of business. He took care of business. I love Richard Jenkins' intro. Because he's so good at, like, at first you see Richard Jenkins and you go, like, here's this like Shakespearean actor, this amazing actor. And you don't immediately think that he's going to just be a bumpkin, but you slowly realize it because he does this thing where he's like, what's that? That's tea. He, he mistakes tea for Uh, like, I was out for a ramble and gee, that tea smells gruesome. It's, it's soup. (laughs) Oh, can I have some? (laughs) Yeah. And then when he's eating it, he goes, Oh, this smells good. Now that I know it's not tea, this tastes like corn. Well, it's corn, it's corn chowder. chowder. Then things are lining up then. <laughs> but also, when he, like, it's too hot for him, he dri- it dribbles out of his mouth, and he, like, has his bowl, and he just lets it drip on himself for the longest time before he realizes. You he can just drops it on the ground. His, yeah. head, his head, it's, like, all over his body. He, you can see in the performance, he looks to the bowl, and you can tell mm. the internal mechanism is going, oh, I can also spit in a bowl and not right. get it all over myself right. like an animal. Yeah, I think another thing where they flip a convention is Richard Jenkins is objectively annoying. Right. Uh, And there's multiple times, I think the most notable and my favorite, the most heartwarming is they're camping and they really need to sleep because they're going to die otherwise. And the sheriff is asleep and Richard Jenkins wakes him up to ask, can you read a book in the bath? And he yes. goes, what do you mean? Is it possible to read a book in a bath? I always destroy it. Mm. I fully, fully expect it. And I think it's because movie logic and the way people really are has taught me that the return line should be go to sleep. We need to sleep. Right. Yes. But the fact that Russell Crowe is infinitely patient with him makes the love between these men so clear yeah. and powerful that Kurt Russell can be otherwise generic. His only mm-hmm. trait is 
man, he really loves Chicory. Like, he lets Chicory get away with a lot and treats him so gently. The last look between them is very, you know, they're both... I wept. Yeah, very sad to see. That's my favorite moment in the movie because Chicory, who, like, literally people have said, one of my favorite lines, someone says, is it possible for you to shut that aperture? (laughs) Um, Chicory's whole shtick is everyone tells him, can you shut up? And... <laughs> You're like, oh. When Kurt Russell's dying, he can't think of anything to say. <laughs> so good. I did. I wept though. It, it yeah. really got me. That's so true. The the uh, oh reading so, in the yeah, bathtub and the uh, flea circus uh, right. conversations are two of the great. Like I don't know. Th- this movie reminded me of like they're complete asides, but they're just so good and so well written that. It, it reminded me of like a Tarantino, like pop culture aside where it's mm. just like, I don't care that we're wasting time on this. Yeah. And then yeah. the flea circus thing, bringing, uh, uh, the, the wife around because she tells a lie to him that, you know, is a humane lie. Right. Miss O'Dwyer, Miss O'Dwyer, yeah. Chicory, because in her opinion, he's going to die in the next 24 hours. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I really, and that's what I think. This is the big revelation to me of this conversation that I'm going to take away and like mull over for a long time is the more genuine love that is conjured in a movie, the more intense the violence seems. I never made that connection before. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's that Miss O'Dwyer dares to hope again for a second because lying to him about the flea circus is a sign of some kind of optimism. And you're like... I don't know if we should be raising our hopes. Like it just makes the tension even greater. I mean, it's an old thing though. It's like, uh, I mean, Spielberg always talks about how he's like, in order to make something the most exciting it can be, it needs to be pre like preempted by a kind of boring thing. Like it's all about dynamic range. Even if we look to what's the most tragic stories of Shakespearean time, when you think of King Lear, it's like the height and then the absolute bottom. The nadir. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just this idea of like maximizing, maximizing totally. the dynamic range makes it better. And I guess and what that's I'm realizing why I think is... this, like, even though there's only two movies to this guy's belt, I already think he's better than Tarantino because <laughs> there's already <laughs> say that. more thought put into the crafting of the story as opposed to the crafting of the style. Because he yeah. clearly thought, what contrasts with shocking cruelty between people, shocking yeah. love and resiliency between people? He makes Tarantino yeah. feel like when you rewatch his films, for no doubt how seminal they all were, but mm-hmm. like when you look back at it, all the like the toolbox that Tarantino is working with is like edit tricks. And this guy is trying to make you think about... Inglorious like, Bastards really stands out apart, I think, from other Tarantinos. But by and large, I think Tarantino movies feel like what he is and began as, mm. which is a kid playing with action figures. Like, you can tell right. that you're in a diorama that the writer thinks is so cool. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. It's because it's all about his satisfaction as the storyteller. Right. Uh, I think there's... I mean, I think there's a little bit of that. I'm not going to give him... I'm not going to give uh, this director a free pass on that, but I, I, I do think that he's already crafting stories that have more, uh, has deeper thought put into the themic quality of yes. something than, yeah. which I think is something that's happening. And in that's film why in I will now. watch Drag to Cost Concrete because I am fed up with Mel Gibson. Like, I wouldn't pay to see mm. the last one, Hacksaw Ridge or whatever, because I don't want, he's in the camp of people. I don't want to give my money. But I actually trust as Craig Zoller enough to imagine that if he casts Mel Gibson, there's a meta reason as to why. And I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and see that movie on the, on the strength of that. But man, I just remembered the other... The, there is something said when the sheriff dies, which is the sheriff says to Chicory, say goodbye to my wife. Oh, what I'll a great say one. hello to yours because yeah. his wife is dead. Oh my God. And that's speaking of the love... Jenkins, who better than Jenkins to like just in two lines, you fully believe that, oh my God, this guy misses his dead wife. Yeah. He does the one moment where he's just mentioned there. He goes, I was out on a ramble, Sheriff. I was stopping to uh, put fresh flowers on Nadine's grave because, well, you know. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, your wife is dead. We know. But it's so genuine right. that he like forgot and then remembered and now he's sad. Right. And then, but my favorite detail of all is, 
when he goes to see Nadine's grave on the way out of town for the mission, he goes, I brought you some fresh wilds. Uh, we're going to fight some bad men. I don't know if I'll make it, so I'll see you when I get back or in the way up high. Right. Uh, and then he leaves the grave in a super wide master shot. But if you look closely, you can see he takes the flowers. He forgot to put, leave the flowers <laughs> on the grave. He took them with him. He just had him. He's just dumb. He just brought them. So cute. Um, He's just adorable. So I have a thematic question that probably only occurred to me because of the stage of my life I'm in. But the uh, there are no kids in the whole town. Nobody has children. And the mm-hmm. only evidence of procreation we see is when they're leaving the cave, the pregnant, blinded uh, couple, yeah, like amputated women yeah. in the. I was so like, apparently that's how the tribe perpetuates itself. Right, is there's like blind quadruple amputee women like, that are like hand, and handmaids. Right, but I mean, talk about horror o- overload. I right. do think it's interesting that much like the audience, uh, Patrick Wilson and Miss O'Dwyer and Chickory walk through there and see that. And they don't even pause or react as viscerally as you might. He's just like, let's just keep going. <laughs> yeah, like, like, I can't even process a lot. more let's of dip. this. Let's yeah. do yeah. yeah. But do you think, because the town doesn't have any kids, yeah. which is, a, it's yeah. just like the, the youngest person's probably the guy who gets bisected. <laughs> yeah, uh, and everyone else is just you know, a grown up and it's never brought up or really anything yeah. like that. I didn't, I didn't know if that was just like, well, it doesn't really work to have kids or in this uh, violent world. Yeah. In this violent world. world. Right. Or if, if there's like some, some reason for that or do you think it could be budgetary, Abe? Is it not no, wanting to pay for all. set? Not at people all. People to watch them. Okay. I, un- I think it's just because it's such an adult story. I like, I got that. It's, it's interesting that you brought it up because it's clear. I hadn't thought of that, but in my head, I never, because I never thought of it. I just assume because they leave at night, all the things happen at night. There are kids. They're just they're at just home not and not involved. Right. Not at because the bar. <laughs> why? Because that's something that our traditional, like America, I mean, that's just traditional family values. Yeah. Like under cover of darkness, we see the darkest parts of, uh, humanity, we shield that from our kids yeah. by keeping them inside and only bringing them out at times. Yeah, and I think that especially in the old west, there was this feeling of not you you know that everyone's growing up too fast. So unless they're right. of the age where they're ready to hold a gun, right? Which is crazy because that's what we did to our kids forever. Which is we mm-hmm. said nothing's wrong with the world, it's fine. And then you know what? You're a man now. Right. Here's a gun. Yeah. You know, and also for women, the, you're going to get married and see right. the, the worst side of that. Or go out on the cattle run. I guess that was yeah. the other thing is that they were like half the town was out moving cattle around. So maybe the kids are yeah. over there. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. But that's actually a really great question because we rarely do think about that that type of question, which is like the the omission of something right. in films that we get like, oh, this is so exciting. Well, it's only because they had the free they were free to not have us worried about all the time. Right. Are we going to bisect a kid? In right, this? Right, is this right. what's going to happen? Yeah. I can't take that. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. But at some point in human history, someone bisected a kid. Right. Definitely. I mean, that's yeah. Lonesome Dove, as you were talking about. It's fucking it, crazy. It's it mind-boggling does, to consider. It hires the stakes. It just allows the stakes to no, not go anywhere else because it's like untouchable. In, it's in ancient Rome, they used to do death by banister. Do you know that one? Jesus. Giant metal banister down like, you know, a 10-story staircase that starts banister width and gets thinner and thinner. And guards drag you down it till it cuts you until in half cuts up the middle. Yeah. Why huh. would you make that? For the purpose of executing for enemies that you captured. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think the before special effects in movies, that's how people got their that violent blows my entertainment. Mind. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this, yeah. This movie definitely doesn't have a lot of movies will have the statement of like, no matter how brutal the violence, like if you bring up a gun and shoot someone in the head and make it quick, it's still a, like a terribly equally violent act. Right. And this movie is hard, very, very hard on the side of, no, there's more brutal there's ways to violence and yeah. we should like, and also, make, yeah. point those out and say never again. But also back to basics when it comes to tension and suspense. Like uh, I remember the little sequence where Patrick Wilson 
they take it from these huge offers, and it's what you're talking about, Abe. It's it's very judicious use of dynamic range in a great way. Yeah. But it's like they had just had the biggest, most horrible kill that's ever going to happen. Then they cut to Patrick Wilson, and all he has to do is kill one dude that's coming at him, and that dude just has a bow and arrow, but they're both like just having a hard time. Right. <laughs> like the guy with the bow and arrow misses. He fires and misses. The guy with the bow and arrow fires and it hits him in the leg. He shoots and it breaks the bow and arrow. Right. But he's out of bullets, so he clumsily loads while the other dude pulls out a tomahawk. And then at the last second, he shoots the guy in the neck before he mm-hmm. can throw the tomahawk. So I just love that, yeah, variety's a spice of life, man. They found a way to be like, okay, we're going to do big offers. We're going to do little offers that are basic, and there's going to be sort of a mosaic mm-hmm. of it. Works really well for me. I really like the choice of, I mean, obviously we've said bone a lot, but I really like the choice of bones, like the idea of sharpening, uh, like the thing in which we're made in order to cut up the thing that right. we are. Yeah. Uh, it's re- reminiscent of that like proverb that I've heard, like the son sharpens his teeth on the bones of the father kind of thing. Oh my God. Super dark. What a dark proverb. Super dark proverb. But that's actually how my family does it. Uh, <laughs> no, my family says the son bones the father on a pile of teeth. But that's us. Yeah, they're all... Sure. It's a grab bag of bones and teeth. Right. Uh, yeah. Sons. Bone tomahawk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah bone yeah, dad. That's it. <laughs> What are other things that occurred to you while you're watching this? Yeah, I mean, I guess I had, because of the Matthew Fox um, lot, like monologue about how smart men don't get married, mm-hmm. and then his whole motivation was the murder of his mother mm-hmm. and Sisters. sister, who, like when he was a child, like that was that seemed to be a run a runner, I guess, throughout, like sort of the loss of innocence and like going back to the the child thing yeah Um, very classical interpretation yeah yeah um yeah i don't i don't know would you guys believe that this was shot in 21 days i do because why would you what would you gain by lying (laughs) but that is very impressive that's that's very impressive (laughs) yeah very impressive why would you lie yeah i I mean it's an incredible cast to get with your first uh, feature, but I, I feel yeah. like it must have just been. And such if you a look on, yeah. if you look on IMDb, Zoller's been around, like he's written and produced, so yeah, he's he's worked his way into mm-hmm. the studio system. Yeah. but it's still quite a cast to get for your directorial yeah. debut. Yeah, yeah, real yeah. big flop too. Was it? Oh yeah, that did not sucks. cost a lot. Did not make anything. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, uh, it was. Uh, so here's the other thing: is Brawl this guy did clearly better though, is, right? Uh, I think so. Um, budget was two million, and obviously it's made more than this. But we like to point out box office since it's a good litmus test for yeah, like how many people are excited about watching right. the film based off all of the you know distribution tactics and stuff. Five hundred k, five hundred. So quarter of its. So buy it on back. Amazon Prime because I actually think this so movie yeah, deserves money. It, this, yeah. yeah, that's what I was getting. Well, to. this does seem like one of the first movies that. I can remember that had a, like after, like the way movies used to become cult classics, they wouldn't, like people didn't see them in the theater, but then they would become a cult classic on DVD. Like this feels like that for the streaming era. Like it's like, I knew it, I knew it as a movie that was on Amazon Prime. Like that's yeah, exactly. what, how I had heard of it. That's and exactly right. Yeah. Also, we didn't even mention how effective is that brief period where you actually don't understand if the movie has a supernatural element. Right. Like when you hear the howls and you they see sound... the guy with the boar tusks make the signal at the cave. Right. Like, am I the only one who was thinking... Like they're boogeymen. Oh, are they going to add like a... Are they boogeymen or they have spells or something? Right, yeah. And then when you make it a very like concrete no no they did yeah. this and in fact patrick wilson's gonna use that to win yeah yeah so satisfying the howls are the terrifying confusion on, is in great. their own way because they're there's something granular and almost digital <laughs> right in the back end of like just a normal yelp or you know yeah. they, they get shot they, they basically like have kazoos embedded in their larynx yeah. <laughs> bone yeah. kazoos yeah yeah. Bone Kazoo was the fir- the working title <laughs> when they were Bone Kazoo. Uh, but he, <laughs> we have one note. Uh, yeah, there the are a couple really 
difficult, like when uh, Patrick Wilson's removing the bone kazoo from the guy's throat. Yeah. And that kind of rhymes with the very first shot where and the I, guy's yeah. like trying to, yeah, he's true. trying Good to call. saw. I also really love the audience confusion in that moment where you're like, why are you doing this, Patrick Wilson? What do you stand to gain? Why are you <laughs> digging into this guy's neck? <laughs> it had never paid off. He was just digging just, around in there. Or like if they finally get home and you do find out they have a kid, it's the first kid you see, and he's like, we're back, son. I brought you something. <laughs> he's like, and then he, Souvenir. He brings like a washboard, and the, like, the wife is on the spoons, right. and the kid plays the bone kazoo. Uh, yeah, it was a simpler time back then. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I think that's the point. Yeah, yeah I think that's the point. Absolutely. Um, that <laughs> yeah. could be it. I mean, it's like a really... I'm loving these types. Of, we're having a renaissance right now of like the films that are just like... We're only going to do one thing. You're not going to have a lot to talk about. It's just going to be really fun to watch. Like right. there's yeah. a, like we've talked about on this podcast a few times like you have your like raids, redemptions and dreads where it's just like there's a big bad person up at the top of this right. building yeah. and the fr- the movie and that's Eric in the movie. The movie starts with we're at the bottom we're of the building one. and the right. end of the yeah. movie is we're at the end of the building. Right. Snow Pierce. And I like yeah. how close the closed systemness of yeah. some of these indie uh, features. I mean, not only it allows them to be shot in 21 days yeah. and on cheap because out of necessity they have to be because Marvel took all the money. Right. Uh, but yeah. But uh, it also makes for like cute little, like I don't know, little plays. I also don't think I've ever seen um, a western where they lose their horse halfway through or mm. lose their horses and, and they have to go by foot time. for like yeah. across the country for yeah. a long portion but that must have happened like all I'm the sure, time yeah. oh yeah like, in fact it, in a lot of different areas of the american west that you're done the yeah. midpoint of the movie is they lose their horses i know i noticed which that. i think is supposed to be like because that's also the point where they start to talk with the subtext of like look we all know we're not coming back from this. right it's mm-hmm. like before that there was a chance we could all survive and come back right. maybe this will be easy and Just then at the midpoint in. they're like it's a suicide mission but let's see how we do right <laughs> yeah. yeah also how good is when the sheriff's getting flasked and Chicory just starts shouting, you're going to be a vent, Sheriff. You're going to be a vent. <laughs> so trying good. to do what right. he was doing. But yeah. you know that the Sheriff knows it's there's all... no comfort in it. Right. He knows right. that Chicory just learned that He's from him. He's just mimicking. It's tragic on so many levels. Yeah. It's like when your dog, you're sick and your dog wants to help you, but it's right. just a dog. It can't you. do anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's Lenny and uh, Mice and Men. But it's You'll nice, be a vent, It's nice for the dog to believe that it's helping. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, like it was nice for Chicory to be like, yeah. oh, I'm doing it too, guys. Yeah. Chicory. Man, and then th- I love that this movie, I love that you, here's what I love. I love that you take like profound love in that because it's so easy to find that like in a way despairing because like it can also mean that there is no point to anything and we just they're just oh, the lies I mean that is, oh yeah. the lies that we tell it's each both. other it's and tragic. ourselves yeah. yeah yeah that's what i mean is if the sheriff had died in that moment he would have died knowing this idiot's trying to comfort me and it doesn't mean shit. I'm dead. Right. Like, how sad is that? No, yeah. it's it's both, but because of the thing you said earlier, it's, it's nice to be reminded that my friends are not a robot. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It's interesting to think of real historic deaths sometimes. Like, I actually do meditate on, what would it be like to fucking be Marie Antoinette? Right. And know everyone's here to watch my head get cut off, which is going to happen a minute from now. Right. And it's because I ruined all their lives. They're delighted to see me get decapitated. Mm-hmm. Here it comes. Like, that's <laughs> right. insane. Yeah. Someone real lived that experience. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and worse things than that. And better things. Right. It's yeah. all everything. Buzz <laughs> Aldrin. Be- Fun to be Buzz Aldrin. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool. Some Beheading's so interesting because they th- there are examples where people's like still had expressions changing after their right, heads yeah. were cut off like that's one of those experiences we'll never get to like fully we just understand. need a science experiment well, where we just put a microphone how do you feel right. but it makes feel? a lot of sense because your sensory organs are all right by your brain yeah. mm-hmm. and your brain is where your memories are encoded right. so as it's fading out of like oh blood loss and i turn off why wouldn't you be? I think you probably are yeah. conscious for a couple seconds. Yeah. yeah. 
But I don't Which even must think. Be a weird can the head is like, well, now I'm in the basket. Uh, yeah. uh, now I'm dying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's weird. But they made somebody's uh, face flinch after it was cut off. I think they like also during... famously asked uh, someone who's going to get decapitated, please blink rhythmically as long as you can. And he right. got like 11 blinks out before he stopped. Yeah. yeah. That uh, is some control and... right there. That that yeah. is history's version of Bone Tomahawk. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, let's go watch the guy. Bone Tomahawk. Right. See how many right. times oh he God. can blink bone after we cut his head bone off. Bone Tomahawk. Bone Tomahawk. Bone, 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 bone. Well, thank you, Jack. <laughs> uh, where can people find your much larger, more known show? Uh, There's no chance uh, the anyone Daily listening. The Daily Zeitgeist is a week daily show that I co-host with former guest Miles Gray. Uh, friend and of this a podcast, comedian. yeah, friend yeah. of. Uh, he was a delight. Uh, he did Three Kings with you. Guys. Three That's Kings and one of my Santa. favorite movies. Yeah, Three Kings. Yeah, um, and yeah, we have a rotating comedian come through and talk about the day's zeitgeist. Yeah, yeah, and you can plug the Ron Burgundy yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, right. And You're involved in that. Miles can I and say I are that? also producing uh, the Ron Burgundy podcast with Will Ferrell. Uh, right now so that's, that's cool real exciting man. yeah yeah it's been pretty fun well thank you for being here we all love you thank you i love you guys <laughs> you'll be avenged Stinger. jack don't worry <laughs> you'll, be, you'll avenged. be avenged i know that's not true <laughs> <laughs>